Hey, this is Dave Jackson. Before we get to the show, you might be going, it's been a while since we've had a show. Well, actually, we did a show. I did a show by myself, and I worked with the audience, and we called it the Podcast Website Rodeo. And what we did is people would give me their website, and we would go out and say, was there an about page? And if so, was it about the host or about the podcast? Because I would recommend that first paragraph be about the show. Then, was there a contact button? Was there a subscribe button? And if there was a subscribe button, could I subscribe to more than just iTunes? And lastly, then when I went to the website, how easy was it for me to click play on a show? And you can find that by going to askthepodcastcoach.com slash 187. And right now, get ready to listen to episode number 188 with special guest host Stephen Jonru of betterpodcasting.com. the podcast coach for october 14th 2017 let's get ready to podcast yeehaw it's saturday it's that music that means it's time for ask the podcast coach where you get your podcast questions answered live i am dave jackson from the school of podcasting.com and joining me over there sitting in the keeping the seat warm for jim Carlson is the one and only Stephen Jondrew from the Gunna Geek Network, and I know him best from the Better Podcasting Show. Stephen, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thank you for inviting me. Am I required now to have skis behind me? That's it, skis. And uh, if you have, do you have a Blue Yeti that you could put on the shelf? I do not have a Blue Yeti to put on the shelf, but I am, in Jim's honor, using my Yeti Tumbler, <laughs> which, of course, is actually named a Yeti. So there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, speaking of microphones, if you're watching the video, Stephen has a whole bookcase full of microphones. Um, how many microphones do you believe that you have in your possession? That's a, that's a good question. It's at least... At least 12, but it's probably more. <laughs> I, I have six behind me. I have a bunch that are, are locked up in, in a, a cabinet that's behind the backdrop, but it's at least 12, if not more. And what inspires you to buy, like right now, if a new microphone came out, what is a yay or nay for you to, yeah, I'm going to buy that one? It's kind of changed a bit since I decided to enter into the whole uh, BP40 larger dyna- dynamic microphone style of market. Before I was trying to just dial in what was the best bang for the buck mm-hmm. and really try to find what could I be on a budget for that's still going to sound good. And then I had a chance to try the BP40 and I decided to keep it. And so since then, it's mostly just a matter of is there a lot of chat with a certain microphone going on? And is it something that as a hobbyist, I'd like to speak to other hobbyists about? For example, I just uh, did a shootout on the Art D7. And that's a it's a larger style microphone, but it's also one that uh, is a little bit more inexpensive. And the, the quality I did a shootout, I've done two of them. The quality just doesn't seem there. So I wouldn't recommend that to anybody who's who's looking right now. I would tell them to wait and save their money on the Rode Procaster. Yeah, I didn't even know Art made microphones. I know they made processors and, you know, interfaces and things like that. that's the first time I've ever heard of a Art microphone. And I was like, hmm. So. Yeah, it just it, it's something about it sounds I don't want to say thin, but it sounds like maybe even the mid area is really boosted. It, it doesn't sound that warm to me. Hmm. Well, if you just joined us, we are here every Saturday at 1030 Eastern Standard Time at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. If you want to jump in and ask a question live, uh, we highly encourage that. Even if you're in your jammies, that's OK. Uh, we do prefer that you have some sort of clothes on that that is preferred. Uh, but if you go to ask the dot com slash join, uh, you can ask your question. We did go out and mine a couple questions. And uh, Stephen found one that was really interesting. He says, uh, I've been podcasting for a while using the Rode NT dash USB microphone, and I want to get some more control over my sound. So I bought a Rode NT one, a DBX 286 S mic processor. And a is that a Tascam? You think? Or I think it's supposed to be Tascam because it says Tuscan, and I'm like, I don't think that's it. A Maybe ta- it's a new company. Yeah, <laughs> a Tascam US two by two audio interface. Uh, this connects to an iMac, and he records an audio hijack. He says after getting the right settings on the processor, the recording sound great, but the headphone output on the Tascam is distorted. Uh, I've tried adjusting the gain both on the Tascam input and the DBX output. Uh, if the uh, 
mic is loud enough for me to hear in the headphones. It's fuzzy at best or crackling if I make it louder. I can't find any connection issues that would be causing this. It's Is it simply a bad Tascam unit uh, or is there something missing? And this is uh, from Kirk. And uh, Stephen, any idea on this one? My thoughts are is if the recording is is fine, but it's sounding distorted to you, it's probably something with the head foot out, headphone output. Now, what's interesting about this is offline, since I got the Zoom H6, uh, I guess it was back in 2016, I have been having this discussion with SP about my headphone output on my Zoom H6. SP is my co-host on Better Podcasting. Now, what is interesting is is we're always big believers, uh, me especially, uh, of monitoring your recording because then you know if something's wrong. If you're clipping, you'll hear it. But what I found with my Zoom H6 was as soon as I started to monitor through my Zoom H6 headphones output, as opposed to right from my sound mixer, there was this sound that I just couldn't describe but distorted. And it's not terrible. The recordings are fine. But it's noticeably degraded compared to when I was just right coming out of my uh, Behringer mixer at the time. Now, I actually have been over the last little bit trying the Zoom L12, and I get this same sound. As soon as I hooked it up, it, it is this sort of degraded, more bitrate sound than when I'm actually right into an analog mix. The recordings sound fine, but the, it, having heard this on the L12 and the Zoom H6, just tells me that maybe these headphone outputs are are cheaper or they're just setting something out in a way that it is degrading the audio or not giving you the full clear sound because I've noticed it on two different Zoom products and we know how much we love Zoom. I so love Tascam, <laughs> Tascam, different different company, but I'm thinking yeah. maybe it's something like that where it's just the headphone output. Yeah, Daniel in the uh, chat room says, do you think it sounds kind of robotic? A little bit, yeah. Robotic, I guess, would be a good... Uh, a good description. Now, I've I've played with a bunch of different settings as well. I've tried increasing all the way up to the full bit rates and everything just to see if that mattered. But it was both on the Zoom H6 and the Zoom L12. Now, I will say this uh, again to reference him, Stargate Pioneer, because you know otherwise his his ego will deflate if I don't mention <laughs> him. Uh, he he has not heard it, so it could just be you know maybe I've got better hearing or something, and I hear it. Some people probably do hear these things. Some people don't. It could be. Uh, Daniel, again, from uh, the Audacity to Podcast says, I think what you might be hearing is the result of a, uh, of a slight latency with the Zoom's analog to digital converter. Could be. Which, if that is the case, that's that's the awesome technical answer. And I would I hope that that's the case so that I can at least reassure myself that I'm not going crazy. But as a user stepping into it, it was really weird for me just to hop from one very clear sound to something that is sounding a little bit robotic, which that would be a great explanation. If And that's probably what it is. Could be. Yeah. The good news is the recordings sound great. So sometimes it's one of those, it's like you said, if I plug it into the mixer, it sounds fine. My headphones, if I plug it into the recorder, it sounds distorted. It's kind of one of those, you know, doctor, it hurts when I stick a banana in my ear. Well, don't, <laughs> don't stick a banana in your ear. And if the recordings are fine, then it's, um, we could get really lost. I think sometimes going down that rabbit hole, um, it's like, well, if that works, how about we just do do that maybe? Um, so interesting question, though. Oh, before I forget to, to mention this, uh, last week, I always, at the first uh, week of the month, I list all my patrons, and I skipped how how I could do this. How rude of me. Um, Steve Sleeper from Earn.Show is also a patron, and uh, he happened to send a thing to Dave. Um, I'm still giving you a buck, buddy. What's the deal? So sorry about that, Steve. And also... Uh, next weekend, uh, October 21st, there will not be an Ask the Podcast Coach show, as I will not be here. I will be in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, down at the Big Podcast Show. This is a brand new kind of one-day event done by David Hooper and Rick. Mm-hmm. Rick's last name, not going to come to me right now, so we're just going to call him Rick. He's a uh, he's a comedian, and uh, it's all about growing your audience. And and to be honest with you, I'm going because it's David Hooper. I like David Hooper. He's a, a cool guy. And if you feel like going, if you're in the Nashville area next week, David just sent me a coupon. If you use the coupon code SOP, as in Standard Operating Procedure or School of Podcasting, take your pick. Uh, that will get you almost. Uh, it'll get you fifty dollars off the ticket. So it's like forty seven bucks, something like that. So. Not quite the savings. Yeah. And uh, the fun part is uh, I'm making it a road trip 
and and picking up one Daniel J. Lewis on the way down. So that's going to be uh, be quite fun uh, next weekend in Nashville. So hopefully we'll get some decent weather and all that other fun-filled stuff. Um, here's a fun one. It says, um, I have a guess. Wait a minute. Uh, oh, this this brings up a subject of mine, and I've I've seen this happen a little bit. I've had numerous people. Uh, Stephen, have you had anybody come up to you and say, I want a podcast, but I just want to use my phone or I just want to use an iPad or the other one that I didn't think about. I've heard this one too, a Chromebook. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've dealt with the Chromebook thing a couple of times and that's interesting, especially when they throw in that they want to be doing video shows. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing I always tell people when they come up and they say, I want to do a podcast. What I should be asking is what kind of podcast do you want to do? Cause usually they'll say, is it even possible? And I'll say, oh, absolutely. You can use Boss Jock. You can record with your phone and upload. You know, there are all sorts of different ways to attempt this. So I should be asking, what kind of show do you want to do? Because is it possible to do a solo podcast? Piece of cake. Boss Jock Studio will do it. Um, Spreaker has an app that allows you to do things on the phone. Piece of cake. But what I'm running into is people that go, oh, can you do a podcast with your iPad? And I'll go, yep. And I don't ask that question. And then I find out that they want to record Skype or they want to have multiple people. Like I want to interview people and that's where it's, it's like, and they really, I've had some people that like, it's almost like a mission. Like, no, no, I have to do this on the iPad. And I guess in some cases they don't have a computer. They've just moved to an iPad. And I understand that, you know, you can do like when I go to conferences now, if I'm not presenting something from my laptop, and I understand now I can actually present from my iPad, most of the time I'm just bringing an iPad because I'm, I'm going to check email and that's about it and maybe take notes in Evernote from uh, the conference. So I get that some people just want to use the iPad thing. But what I'm starting to find out is people start off, can I do a podcast on an iPad or an iPhone? And I'll go, oh, sure, absolutely, Boss Talk Studio. And then they throw in the, you know, I want to record three people in a room. Okay. That's mm, mm, okay. Uh, If it's two people, there's a great, uh, speaking of art, the people that made that microphone you're talking about art actually makes a little interface. And what's cool is that you can even run it on batteries. And so if you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, that will allow you to plug, uh, two microphones in, and then you could use what's called a camera kit, which is basically like a lightning port to USB that you could then plug it in. And that's one of those in theory, you would be able to, to record two people, into your phone. Now, what I don't know, and this is where you get into areas where in some cases, when you try to do these really robust things into something like Boss Jock Studio, I don't know that Boss Jock is going to then see that interface as one microphone. And that, uh, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't have experience with, uh, with that side of it, but the sort of looking outside the box and looking for the creative approaches when you are on a bit of a budget is something that I think that I do pretty well. And one of the examples of that is when I, I I have to travel pretty regularly for work, you know, like a five week rotation thing. And, and I'm alone by myself usually. So what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to podcast. So I continue on with my (laughs) podcast, doing them live. I I get super complicated. And the iRig is something that combining that with a little bit of Intuit, a little bit of creativity uh, into my zoom H one has made it for a good little travel pack because I split off the 3.5 millimeter stereo input that the Zoom H1 has. And through a little bit of adapting, I use the iRig as my preamp for my mic. And I also on the second channel record from my laptop, the laptop output uh, that's coming back to me through Skype. So then I've got to track audio. Now, yes, is there a bit of quality degradation? Of course there is because I'm going through a 3.5 millimeter split, but (laughs) it's better than nothing. So, so it works well for me. And that's one of the ways that I travel on the road with minimal equipment. Right. So when you say an iRig, are you talking like something like this with the little... Uh, yes, except it's the iRig Pre. So the iRig Pre is the one that's actually meant for a microphone. For an XLR, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's got an XLR and it has a 9-volt battery in it. So it actually powers up. Uh, it, in theory, will work with phantom devices as well, phantom power devices. So it has that capability, but it uses a 9-volt battery, so it actually has a preamp in it. Interesting. Yeah. When you get into portable podcasting, it's, um, it's always interesting, but as I guess my point is when people ask these questions, number one, I'm going to start asking, what do you see your show being? And then in some cases you're probably going to be, you know, uh, going where no man has gone before. 
because people usually, if you're going doing something on a phone or something like that, it's usually a solo podcast or something that's not too tremendously uh, sticky to get into that. So, uh, but I, I've, I'm seeing more and more of that. So, if I was a developer, I might think about that. I know, I know, on a uh, desktop, uh, Spreaker Studio makes it pretty easy to plug two USB microphones in. With that, I don't know. You're going to have to have some, you can't plug two USB things into uh, a phone, right? You said you had a splitter, but that. Yeah. Would... Yeah. That's, it's a little bit different because with that, I'm using the the zoom as the capture device, right? I'm not using right. just the phone. Oh, that's true. So, so it's kind of an extra component. Yeah. Uh, Scott in the chat room says, couldn't you just use GarageBand? You could now with GarageBand, but that's a good one. I'll have to go play with that uh, because you could record your voice and then, I'm trying to picture GarageBand on a phone because that's it's, you're almost in like a clamor situation. Clamor I loved, but I'm trying to do these these edits of you know milliseconds on a screen that I can't. And, and you're trying to be super precise with your fingers. That's where I think the whole thing kind of if you do any kind of editing and you're trying to cut out an um, unless it's something really really obvious. To me, I have to zoom way in and, you know, get in there with a scalpel precision. I can't see doing that on an iPad because, I mean, I know you can zoom in with, you know, keep pushing. that, But I I don't know. I guess it's one of those things, again, I'll have to try and play with. Uh, and admittedly, I'm an Android guy. So uh, I, now I'm it, just kicking at myself wanting an actual native, authentic Google app for podcasts. That's what I want. That's my my big push. I want Google to make a proper podcast app. They, when uh, Google was at podcast movement, I had a guy come up to me he said, hi, I'm Joe Schmo from Google. And I was, I remember in my brain, I'm like, okay, and sure you are. And I looked at his card and sure enough, it said Google and had the logo. And I looked at his shirt and it said Google. And I was like, and he said, how can we help podcasters? And I said, oh, this is easy. <laughs> Give us an app. Give us an app that you don't, you just right there, you know, and make it go everywhere, all the countries, you know, it's like, really, it's not that, you know actually jump into the pool, Google. That would be uh, very nice of you to uh, do that. So um, I just know for me, the other thing, even GarageBand on a desktop, the reason I give it the old, uh, I don't think so kind of, that's just not going to work, is just editing out an um in GarageBand, you have to go before the um and hit split. And then you go after the um and click split. You then delete it and drag the two pieces that you've now made together and you end up with tons of pieces. And I'm assuming because every other program does this, there's a way to group those pieces together, but I'm not going to say absolutely because I was really surprised. It's got some really cool stuff in GarageBand. I've heard musicians, especially that have made things that I'm like, where'd you record this at? And they're like, uh, my dining room. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but, uh, for me, for editing out ums and things like that, it seemed to be uh, a little tedious that I was like, I, I don't, for me at least. Uh, and I always say, I think, I think that the, the app that you end up using, the software that you end up using for your podcast, most of the time is the one you learned, like the first one, because you, you go through that learning curve and uh, you, uh, you get there and you're like, okay, this is good. I know what I'm doing. And you just kind of stay there. Um let me find the question from Ryan Gray. I thought this was an interesting point. Um, the Ryan, Dr. Ryan Gray says, uh, I received an email recently about a guest I had on a podcast recently. The person who emailed me stated they knew my guest and that the guest had fabricated some of the story. Ooh. Uh, I think the overall story that was told um, and the message that was delivered is still valuable. He says, but I'm kind of torn. I don't think confronting the guest will be helpful. Uh, They obviously told the story they believe. And I was like, he was kind of like, what are your thoughts on this? And for me, if he is going to do a follow-up, I thought it'd be fun. Get them both on the show. Because my guess is, I don't think, let's, let's pretend that his guest is a nice guy or a nice woman. Wasn't really, like he said, probably not blatantly lying, but just telling the truth the way they saw it. It's always fun when you read um, 
autobiographies. I've, I've read the autobiography of Steven Tyler and I've read the autobiography of, of, uh, the guitar player, Joe Perry. Joe, Joe Perry. Yeah. And you, you get both sides of a story and you're like, okay. <laughs> and then you kind of come up with the truth. And I bet in this case, this is probably what's happened. This is the way this person remembered it. And this person that emailed is saying, I think I saw it this way. It'd be fun to have them both on, not to do a Jerry Springer or, insert any TV show. Now it's, they should just name a show two people arguing for the fun of it uh, because that's what 90% of TV is these days. But, and then um, Ryan could be kind of the moderator to say, okay, what did you see? And then, you know, and then, so when this person says, Hey, that's not the way I saw. Okay. Well, what did you see? And then see if there's something in between, but uh, have you ever had any situation where I, with a guest or something that you, you went back and maybe took it down or edited it or had a problem? Uh, I've never had it where I've gone and I, I've felt that I need to re- readdress the situation and, and really bring in another guest to go on it again. Because I, I also sometimes believe we just leave it and we move on unless mm-hmm. it is like a really key piece of information that is going to change the per- uh, perception of a certain company or something like that. But when it's just something minor, sometimes uh, like I've just said, okay, well, I'll note that and keep that in mind in case you ever have that guest on for the future. But Maybe there is a story that you can craft and bring on that second person and um, make it relevant. Because I think sometimes if you just bring somebody on for the... um, I'm trying to think of the the correct term that I can use that's safe, but the blank match between two people uh, where you end up just sort of fighting with everybody. I I think that that's sometimes is draining on your listeners as well because they're like, okay, well, I just heard this story. I invested 30 minutes into this last week and now you're going to give me 30 minutes of something completely different. You wasted my time. So I think there would have to definitely be some substance there to, to for me to bring on another guest to talk about that story again. Yeah, I think you make a great point. It's what's the whatever is. Let's say there's something. Let, let's say, uh, uh, you know, Stephen said he had 12 microphones. It turns out he has 14. OK, I'm not going to go back and, and redo the episode because, oh, my gosh, you know, wrong information. I think it's. But if if we were saying something that. I don't know. It's like you said, it was a major industry shift and we reported it wrong or something of that nature. Absolutely. Uh, I would maybe want to come back and address that. I don't know if I would do a whole show about it. It's like a newspaper. You kind of go back and say, Hey, uh, I need to, to print a retract. I did one this morning. I, uh, I, uh, Steven, the, the guy from, uh, uh, Steve sleeper from earn dot show, right? I made a boo-boo last week. I left him out when we did the Patreon section and I just, you just throw it in and, and like Steven says, you kind of just move on. And I think it, uh, but I, I just thought it was interesting. This is the first I've had any, heard anybody say, hey, that guy wasn't telling the entire truth. And it's like, hmm, that would be kind of uh, sticky. I think my favorite thing from working at Libsyn is we had a guy who was, as you might imagine, a little upset. He was an undercover cop and he had gone on somebody's podcast and the podcaster uh, posted his picture. And he was just slightly perturbed by that because he's an undercover yeah. cop. It's like, yeah, that's not going to uh, to work well. Um, here's here's the other thing that's kind of fun. This next question comes from uh, Mike. And if you have a question, feel free to jump on in. We're at askthepodcastcoach.com slash join. And uh, some of this stuff, I don't know if there's a right answer. I mean, it's kind of a lot of it is like, well, what do you try this and see what happens? Uh, when you interview someone, do you mention their name in the title or subtitle? Uh, does it matter? And is there any etiquette? And so, Stephen, I'll let you take this one first. Sorry, the audio cut out there. Oh, I was sorry. To, um, I didn't. It, he's asking when you interview someone, do you mention their name in their t- in the title of the episode? And he says, uh-huh. and if okay. so, is there any kind of etiquette? Does it matter? Um, so. So with that, I, I always judge it based off of the conversation that I have with the person pre-show because I, I always have a little bit of a pre-show chat. And uh, one of the things I always say is, what do you want me to call you? Now, if they say Dr. Smith or, or Dr. Bob or whatever, they say, just call me Bob, then obviously that's the title I'm going to use within the show. And honestly, depends on the guest. Uh, I will be honest that there are times that I will put it in the title because I know it's going to bring a couple more eyes to that episode. And not only that, but the search results. Uh, if it's if it's there, obviously, I want to entice people to listen to my episodes. So 
with some guests, I will absolutely put their name in the title. But with others, I just leave it in the description. And as for what I call them, it, it's just based off of what they say. Now, um, sometimes I will expand that. I've, I've done that before where, uh, for example, I used to do a comic book podcast and we used to interview a lot of comic book creators. So a lot of times I would put in there so-and-so from this company because I know as people are searching, there might be searching for Boom Studios comic book creators or Image Comics. And, and so that might get some people over there. So I kind of look at it and honestly have to judge the level of guest and, and how much noteworthiness there is for them on the internet at this time. Yeah, that's, I think that's the key. And you mentioned that the fact for, for SEO purposes and things of that nature, I kind of weigh... Is, is there something that my audience can learn from what this guest said? So if the guest explained how to turn dog poop into gold, that's going to be the title of the episode. Even if it's somebody's, you know, if their name is, you know, John Smith, but they gave me great value, that's going to be the the catching title. It might be dog poop into gold dash John Smith, but um, I'm with you. If it's not a name, that's going to be well known to either my audience or whatever, but what they, they delivered you know, I think it's all about what's going to get more clicks, the the person's name or the the information that uh, that they brought. Um, Chris Nessie in the chat room, we're going back to the, the last topic of uh, what happens if you have a bad guest. He said, I had someone early on my show that basically turned out to be not the best person. So he said, I took down the entire episode. He says, I went as far to uh, scrub them from my entire site wherever they were mentioned. And that is the beauty of podcasting. You can do that. You're in complete control. And uh, it's oh, the, the interesting part would be to see, did that person even notice? Because I know I wouldn't notice. I, don't, I usually go back. I promote a show when I'm on it if they give me a link, but I don't go back later to look. I mean, I, it was there. I assume it's still there. So uh, that's kind of cool that you took that down. The problem, of course, happens when you've referenced to it in a later episode. Yeah. And people are like, I want to go listen to that. Oh, wait, that's not there. Oops. Yeah, that's true. Um, but in terms of uh, putting the name back in the title, Daniel has a comment here in the chat room. And again, we're at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. It says, in my recent episode with Elsie Escobar, I put her name with mine in the author tag instead of putting it in the title. There you go. That's one of the new iTunes uh, tags that have just come out. And I'm kind of surprised. It's it's. I really thought everybody was going to jump on board with these titles and so far and the whole season versus episodic. And at least I listened in overcast and I was surprised because I hadn't really tested that. And I pulled up uh, the messengers podcast because that is, uh, it's set to be um, serial. So you get episode one, episode two, episode three, you pull it up in overcast and it's like, here's the latest episode. And I was like, Ooh, so, well, as an Android user, I'm using Pocket Casts, and I've noticed no change at all, at least from a user perspective. Um, I haven't dug too much, but as far as what I'm seeing in regards to the tag, so either they haven't adopted yet or they've adopted it in a manner that they just kind of dropped it in and it's not on my radar as a user. So I think that that's part of the challenge with the tags is, is are all of these podcatchers and places that are listing podcasts, are they really adopting them and bringing these tags front and center where they are sortable. And, uh, and I haven't seen the shift yet. Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause if you do, if you do, if I'm pocket cast and I go, well, Apple changed, so I'm going to match Apple. You then give Apple that authority. Yep. And if you don't want them to have the authority, then you don't. Well, if you don't, then the producer saying, Hey, my podcast looks wrong in your app. That's going to be a messy little dance that happens here to see I know Marco, the guy that does uh, Overcast.fm, he said in a blog post a while back that he was working on some updates and he kind of hinted that it might be to to take on these new tags. But I was just surprised that I expected to just see everything just poof in like a week or two. It's like, hey, in the same way that the all the media hosts, the Blueberries and Lipsons and Podbeans all went, hey, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. And the app people just kind of went, yeah, okay, well, whatever, we'll we're not going to change. So, so let me ask you this. Have you, uh, back tagged your entire catalog? No, I know, uh, no. Daniel from the audacity podcast did. Uh, I started the minute the tags were available and I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll work on it as I go through. And I just haven't, uh, cause really all it does for me is it just, when you pull it up in the thing, it says episode five, whatever. And so, uh, uh it's one of those things when I, you know, 
when I get a little free time, <laughs> I'll go yeah. back and do that. Um, but uh, one of the things, oh, wait a minute. Uh, Ryan Jackson says, I had to do the same as Chris. Uh, wow. People are yanking old episodes. Uh, this is why I love the chat room. I also had a guest contact me after the interview and asked me not to publish it. Ooh, that's kind of tricky. Um, I respected their wishes and alerted another host in my niche that was supposed to interview him that my time was wasted. Uh, they did the interview, got the request to not publish. Um, and they did anyway. Oops. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I've never, I've had, um, usually what I do is at the end of an interview, instead of getting like a written disclaimer or whatever, first of all, most of nine times out of 10, I'm interviewing somebody I know. So, and I, I don't do gotcha kind of inter- interviews, you know, that those kind of things. So usually there's nothing that controversial in it, but even at the end, I'll be like, Hey, is there anything that we talked about that you wouldn't want me to, to publish? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. But I always do that. And then I keep that original file so that in the event they ever, there's a, ever a problem. But if somebody came to me and said, Hey, you know what? Um, can you take that down? I, I don't think I would have a problem unless it was like, you know, major, major value. And in which case I would probably pull it down, take the value that they said and just have it come out of my mouth. You know what I mean? If it's, yeah. it's like there are ways around it. So, um, that's interesting. I, I didn't realize, uh, that's happening apparently more often than we thought. Uh, yeah, no, I had no idea. Um, whack when we used to do a ton of interviews, uh, I, I used to do the same thing as you as I would, I would record the file. I would record me telling them. So just so you know, we record when we put out an episode, once it's out, it's out. We don't have a habit of pulling information down. And is there anything that you would like me to remove? And it was, it made me feel a little bit better. And I never ran into any problems once I started doing that. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've only had that situation happen to me once and I was on the, I think it's just called the pod producers with uh, Jessica and mm-hmm, man, my brain is not working this morning. The guy from Podfly, Corey, uh, Jessica Rhodes, and the, I, they pulled me into Skype and we just start talking and I had no idea that they were already recording. Oh, geez. And I, I was, uh, yeah. So I threw somebody under the bus and it was like, Hey, can we not, can we kind of, it wasn't <laughs> meant for, you know, you might want to let people know you're recording, uh, when you do that, but, uh, holy cow, we are, uh, we're halfway through. So I want to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Um, that would be, of course, Glenn the Geek from HorseRadioNetwork.com. Josh Rivers, who's done a rebrand. He's now at PodcastingExperiments.com. And Max Trescott, who does the Aviation News Talk podcast. You can find him at AviationNewsTalk.com. If you'd like to help keep the lights on here at uh, the Show.com, you can be an awesome supporter. Just go over to AskThePodcastCoach.com slash awesome. And, uh, Stephen, I wanted to get into, I know you do the Gunna Geek network at gunnageek.com. What is your, what's your background? All right. So professional background, uh, I, I work for completely unrelated to podcasts and stuff like that, but I actually went to school for video, believe it or not. So I was passionate about doing video. So I went to school for video, came out of school and went, um, no offense, but I, I like where I live and I don't want to move away. So I would have had to move away. So I was left with this sort of bug that I wanted to do some form of content creation. So then I started to do a, a podcast because I thought, well, it's kind of similar. It's kind of neat. I end up being able to produce content on a whatever basis that I want. I can edit it. It's a lot of the same stuff that I love about doing video stuff. So I started doing that with a local a local podcast to cover local music in 2008. It had like seven episodes and my friends were like, well, what's a podcast? I was the only one that knew back in 2008. <laughs> and so they dropped off and funny story on that. They, they now say, Oh, I wish I had known because I would have kept going. I wish I had known what a podcast was. Yeah. So I did that and then did a comic book book podcast for several years. And ended up in 2012 starting Gunna Geek. And that's just a, a site that is for all sorts of geeks to geek out. And we've expanded to be primarily podcast network focused. We have a bunch of different hobby podcasters who all share the same love of, of podcasting about geekery over on Gunna Geek. And for the last couple of years, Stargate Pioneer have been and I have been doing the podcast podcast over there and just trying to help hobbyists increase uh their their quality and just make a better podcast but coming up from the hobbyist side of things kind of 
filtering it out all of the business side of things that we often hear with podcasting. Yeah. So if somebody said like, what do you mean? What's a hobby podcaster? How would you define that? Uh, the way I describe it is you're doing it in with the same mindset as you would if, say, you go to a beer league to play baseball. You're going and you know you're going to spend your time and your money on this for your enjoyment. You're not looking to to make money off of it. You're not looking to to supplement your income or anything like that. You're doing it just purely for your enjoyment. And that's what I am. I don't I don't monetize my shows. I spend money on stuff as as you mentioned. <laughs> and it, I just like I would if I was playing baseball, I would have to at least buy myself a baseball glove and probably a bat, right? You know, if I was in something a little bit more higher end, maybe I was into boat racing. I would have to spend a lot of money on a boat, right? So there, there's a lot of other hobbies that we do where you spend money. And that's what I look at with podcasting is I'm spending money on it for my enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I don't golf. I used to golf once a year. My brother and I would go out and do the Jackson open. And the last time, <laughs> the last time we went, I hit a goose and a person and I went, you know, I don't think I'm, uh, I yelled for, cause it was hilarious. The guy was standing on the green and I mean, I'm horrendous at golf and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to put this on the green. And of course I hit the shot of my life and I'm screaming for it, hit this guy in the leg and it bounced right towards the hole. And he was very upset and went over and kicked my ball. Uh, it was great fun, but golf is not cheap. And I mean, I played, I, I was a musician for many years, but it was never my means of income. It was definitely, I made money podcast or podcast made money as a musician, but not enough to, you know, feed a family or anything like that. So consequently I have like six guitars in a closet sitting over here and somebody might go, you have $4,000 worth of guitars sitting over there. It's like, eh, it's a hobby, you know? And yeah. yes, I made most of that money back, but in the end, uh, you know, a hobby is one of those words that can mean many things to, uh, to many people. Well, how do you, like, if somebody comes to you and says, I want to be on gunnageek.com, how do you determine if they're a good fit? We just accept everybody always. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, what we actually have is there's a few of us, uh, myself, there's SP, uh, my co-host on Better Podcasting, Chris Farrell, and Cody Goff. And we all are part of the committee, the Gunna Geek Network Review Committee. And we get applications and we ask people to submit some information and we review the podcast and see if we think they're a good fit for the network. It's not always just one specific thing. Like we're not looking for a certain level of audio quality or we're looking for them to talk specifically about this genre. We're looking for the overall fit because as I mentioned, we are all hobbyists who are really just sharing the passion. So we want to make sure that they're the right fit. And there's lots of podcasts that we say no for reasons like quality. There are some that we say that no, we just don't think that your show is in line with sort of the tone of the network. So we all look at it. We all talk. Uh, ultimately, it is my decision. I am the owner of Gunna Geek, but uh, I do value all of the network members' uh, opinions. And over the years, there have been other people who have been on that. Uh, we used to have seven people who would look at it, but uh, it can sometimes be a little bit time-consuming. And I just I just solicit feedback from the, the network. And uh, so if somebody comes to you, they seem like a good fit. It's a comic book podcast. They've got great audio quality. They've got great guests, but they have sponsors is that a, a strike against them or, or do you care? It's, it's just, how does that nope. work? We're all here just trying to help each other really just grow as, as podcasters and really kind of scratch each other's back, so to speak. It's, it's sort of like a web ring back in the day with modern mm. technology. That's the way that I look at it is, is we're all just trying to help promote each other. Don't you remember the web ring that you go on and you click next, next. I'm on the next site? Yeah. So it's just like that, that we're all just there to try to try to help each other. So sponsorship, you know, everybody's property remains their own. Uh, we, I don't monetize the network. I don't ha I don't sit there and try to monetize the network itself. Uh, so that's why everybody else's property remains their own. They pay for their own hosting. So what they do with it is up to them. Um, the, we only have a few requirements. For example, we do require everybody to use an approved network pre-roll where at the beginning of the show says they're part of the network. And there's a little disclaimer in there that their opinion is their own and not of the rest of the network. So right. uh, that's that's the main requirement that we have. So primarily it's just a, it's like a really cool cross-promotion um, little directory of geeky shows. Absolutely. Very yeah. cool. So, and well, there's been lots of really good resulting interactions that we've had just from these connections. Like uh, this past year, SP did two podcasting panels with members of the Gunna Geek Network in two different locations at, at two different conventions. Uh, and they weren't podcasting conventions. They were 
actually more along the lines of like a geek convention. And that never would have happened if uh, we didn't have the network. These He was able to meet these people there. Um, and there's lots of other examples of that as well. We have somebody named Lauren. And she did this awesome video last year and met up with somebody else on the network who did the video. And what it was, was they were trying a NASA prototype car and just want something that they want to try to send. I think it was to Mars one day. And mm. it was it was really neat because they got to go do this geeky thing together. And again, they found each other through the network. So it worked out really well. Nice. Very cool. We have a, uh, a thing in the chat room here from Francesco. He said uh, he has the advanced stats, I'm assuming on Libsyn. He says, but I'm having trouble figuring out where downloads for one of my episodes came from on a given day. So how many, where did my downloads come from on October 13th on episode six? I don't know that there's any podcast media host that will give you that. They'll give you geographic information. They'll give you trend lines. They'll give you technology stats. It's when you go for this day, I think, is where you're going to run into the problem. And Francesco, my question would be to you, what are you going to do with that information? So what if I said, hey, on episode six, on October 13th, it came from San Francisco. Can I? Okay, thank you, Daniel. Blueberry can. Can filter by date. I was just logging in to look to make sure I wasn't making that up. Yeah. And you can, you can, you can go in. Um, it's not always the clearest within Blueberry, but, um, uh, you can go in and you can sort by date and get some of the resulting information, like where, where were the referrers? What was the countries? And that's something that, um, I last year actually used that information to find out that my site was being web scraped. Somebody had set up a mirror domain and they were just, yeah. And they were just scraping our content. And by doing that, by seeing the spike within different shows, I was able to go in and look and see, okay, well, in this day, this website was sending us a bunch of traffic. Oh, look, it's, it's a fake site. That's always fun. Yeah. I I actually, one of the things I used to do, and I, I'm glad you said that because I need to do that. I used to put somewhere in my show notes, this show originated on and then have the website, which is weird to put your website on your website, but scraping is just one of those things that it's just going to happen. I mean, you were yeah. able to find it, but um, that's uh, interesting. I'll have to go in because I know, like I said, I know with Libsyn and I know with Podbean stats drive me crazy and, and I don't have the, I, I need to get the advanced stats on Podbean someday to, to actually play with them, but just finding out. Like it'll show you the top 10 downloads of, of your episodes. So if you had 20 episodes, here's the top 10. I'm like, okay, but I want to see number 12. I don't know. It's, it's their stats again at times. And again, I just have, I think the basic plan on Podbean. So maybe it's a little easier if I upgrade it or things like that. But uh, um, Daniel says uh, uh, what you might want to need to do is to not look at the daily number, but the combined total of user agents for one episode versus others. That's true. That's a good point. You might be able to go in. See, that's the, I know with Libsyn, you can go in and get the, the geographic, the user agents, things like that for an episode. I, I don't think you can do per day. In fact, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I'm looking yeah. right now and I'm not seeing it. Yeah. So, um, but I'll have to see now I got to go in and play with blueberry stats. I usually don't <laughs> see. I'm one of these guys. I don't dig that deep into the stat because I'm of the mindset of like, okay, the answer is San Francisco. And, and now I, that makes sense if I'm a comedian, Cause I can say, you know what, let's look at getting a gig in San Francisco. Apparently I have a little hot pocket of people over there, but for the average person, I, I have a hard time connecting. Like that's why I asked him, Mike, what are you going to do with that? So, um, that could be interesting. It says, uh, he says he's getting a range from 10 to 30 downloads. So he's trying to figure out where it came from. So interesting. I, I, that's, that's one of the things I know right now. Libsyn is working on overhauling their stats. I did get to see when I was in Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, it was pretty slick, uh, the the new version that's going to be coming out in December. And I know that's one of the areas that they've kind of even said we want to we want to a little more information on referrals because some people like, hey, where am I? Where's this traffic coming from? That's a a common question, and I know they're looking into uh, upgrading some things to uh, to get that uh, ramped up a bit. Um, well, we you talked about your your background and and going to geek. I also know you have this thing called a spouse and children. How many kids do you have? 
Oh, my kids. I got to go. No, uh, <laughs> I've got, I got two kids. I, I have two. I got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And uh, it is it is quite fun to sometimes podcast with them around. I was going to say, how do you find, do, do they just, do they get candy if they're quiet while daddy's in the room? Or how does that work? Yeah, pretty much. Just bribing them or putting them in the closet. One of the two. No, no, that's not true. No, don't call the authorities. Um, what I actually do is because I only I commit to two routine shows. And they are live shows that we do live stream over on Gunna Geek. Uh, it is something that my wife and I, she's very supportive of me. So she knows that every Monday from five o'clock until about seven o'clock, I'm podcasting. And same thing from Wednesday. Um, and they, what we end up doing is just, just she supports me on that. She watches the kids. And luckily, I have a den. So I'm able to get away. Now, yes, occasionally they do come through and I have to try to edit it out in post but uh overall they're quiet enough as they get older i'm finding it's actually easier i think they're almost at the point where they'll have a little bit more control but uh for the first few years yeah it was it was pretty tough because uh screaming babies you know you can't control it no it's like can you please tell you know the two-year-old and you know I don't care. I also that- <laughs> save, I save the editing and stuff for later. So I pretty yeah. much bolt away right as soon as I'm done recording. Um, and then do the editing either when they're in bed or first thing in the morning. I'm somebody who is up later than the rest of the family. It's just just me. So I try to save that stuff for when the family's in bed and keep family time a priority. That's, that was going to be my question. How do you juggle all that stuff? And apparently the answer is you just don't sleep. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a robot. So that's that's what it is. But no, I I space out my release days as well to give me the buffer. I think you say that you usually record School of Podcasting on Sundays and release it on Sundays, right? Yeah, that's that's not a great plan, by the way. <laughs> With me, I do give us buffers like the com show. It releases on Wednesdays. We record it on Mondays. Um, Better Podcasting is a Wednesday recording with a Sunday release. So that gives me a few evenings to to get it edited and, and keep that family balance. Yeah. That's um, it, it's, that's a little intense because if, if, an, if a major event happens on Sunday, Dave's not going to bed. That's, that's the <laughs> way that works. And uh, I know like next week I'm going to be in Nashville and I'm driving back on Sunday. So this week I'm actually putting together an episode ahead of time uh, to do that. I would like, there have been times when I've had episodes in the can, but most of the time I end up just doing it on Sunday and it's just my routine at this point. And, um, but it is, a I always little- have a bad habit when I do episodes in the can and if I, I do like 70, 80% of the work and I'm like, oh, I'll get to that 20% later. And then it's, it's the day before and I'm like, oh, I got to get it done. Got to get it finished. That's it. Well, I like the fact that you said you do your editing pretty much right after you record. I think that's a great habit to get into. Cause when you go back, th- I, I see both schools on one hand, if it's been a couple days, you're listening with completely fresh ears. But on the other hand, I think when you record right after you know what you're looking for, you know where you messed up and you can jump right to those spots. Um, have you ever done like both versions? Like you said, you, you record on Monday, release on Wednesday. Have you found a, a the pros and cons of either kind of strategy? Yeah. And sorry, just to clarify, I, I do tr- record and try to edit a little bit right after, but I give myself those, those day spaces so I don't have to try to do it all at one time. Uh, um, now, what I find the best routine for me is because I do like to preview the podcast back because I'm not when I'm recording, I'm taking down edit points as I go. And I don't go over edit. It's something that I try to take out the main points that need to be removed. So I write down these time codes, I do the edit, and then I always try to render it and listen to it once, even on two to three times, just so that I can, before I, I publish, that I make sure that I haven't missed a big gap or something. And that's happened before where I forgot to write it down as we were recording. And so so that's sort of the habit that I have is edit, then probably the next day, take a preview back and make sure it sounds good enough to go out. Yeah, that's me. When I, uh, my my final thing is usually about... If things are going good, about 1030, uh, I'm uploading my finished podcast to Overcast where I then download it and walk around the block when, and I'm listening literally at like two and a half X. I'm just listening for obvious like, oh my gosh, why is there 30 seconds of nothing or yeah. some volume swell or something like that? So um, yeah, that's- Well, uh, and I'm a, I'm a sucker to you apparently for punishment because I do fully edit the video side of things as well because we do video companions now i will say that magic's movie studio which is the consumer version of uh vegas movie um vegas pro is that what it is vegas 
this what used to be Sony Vegas. It's yeah. the <laughs> version of that. And um, it, it made things a lot easier because it has a lot of really good functionality as far as audio editors go. I can put in VST plugins. I can do all of my my stuff within in this software. So it does make it a little bit easier because I am only editing in one program now, but it's still, it's, I got to sync up the people's local tracks. I got to do all of that. And, and so it, it can be a lot, but I like it. Cause again, my, my background Your backgrounds in video. video. Exactly. Yeah. That's where, again, I, I, I made this point in last week's school of podcasting, Mike, always consider the source. Cause I was saying last week, I looked at this, um, it's a company called second line and they're making WordPress themes for podcasters. And it looked really cool. Um, in fact, they're really open to suggestions. I emailed uh, the guy behind it, one of them, and said, "Hey, it's you know you you skewed my images and blah blah blah." And, and I he sent me this code, and I'm like, "Hey, I, I put this code in, and I'm looking for this other code that you said to delete." And he said, "You know what? We're going to update it in a future release. If you if you don't mind waiting, it's up to you." Um, but this is going to be based on my suggestion. They're putting in this feature that I can say, "Hey, don't resize the featured image because." I just said, I don't mind you resizing it. Just keep it proportional. And I said, but the problem is if you upload an image that's really small to blow it up into this pixelated mess, but it, it seems really interesting. But I, I told the audience, I said, um, it's $59 per website where if you use something like elegant themes, um, it's like $89 a year for a bazillion different themes if you want. And I said, now for me, I have multiple websites. So when I go $59 per what that adds up. I said, but if it's just you and you have one website, this might be perfect for you. So always consider uh, the source. Do you, do you have any kind of favorite WordPress theme that you use? I don't have any go-tos to be honest. Um, I usually go in and I, I take a look and I search and I see if there's something that I, I want to start on. And, and I always pretty much modify my WordPress That's themes it. quite a bit, uh, which is, again, considering the source, because yeah. I also have been doing websites for decades, right? Like, you know, it's been a big part of my life. So um, I do that. But the first thing that I do once I identify one is I go and I look at who made this and when was the last update? Because mm. if they're not updating it, then you've got the whole security problem as well. Yeah. That's because uh, I was talking about, I, I no longer recommend appendipity themes, even though if you go right now, 90% of my websites have that. It's just because I haven't found the the next go-to that I really, really, that I just go, oh, this is awesome. Let's, you know, jump into it. I found that it's like, yeah. oh, this is good. And that's pretty good. And nothing's really making me just jump in just yet. Uh, but um, yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with WordPress. I, I love its flexibility, but I hate the fact that I hate it. I hate the fact that it's also really, really. <laughs> flexible. It's like, yeah. it's like you said, the updates. Um, so um, we did have one other question here as man, time is flying today. Uh, this was from Sean Douglas said, Hey, is there a way that you can check to see the ranking of my podcast? Uh, my show is on iTunes and Stitcher, but I can't find a way or a list where my show ranks among the other 115,000 other available shows. Well, for the record, it's another 400,000, not 115, according <laughs> to, according to Apple. Um, any help or point in the right direction would be most appreciated. Well, the first thing I want to say, number one, I've seen comparing your rankings to others really just strip people of their joy because they're having a great time and all these people are listening and I'm getting a lot of feedback. And then you go in and you find out that your number, you know, 147 and there's, you know, all these people ahead of you and all of a sudden they think they stink. And I'm like, wait a minute. A minute ago, you were you were having fun and you were getting feedback and all this stuff. It was great. And now that you compared yourself to other people, it just rot. And I'm like, oh, please. So be very, very careful about doing that. Um, but there's actually a website. Uh, Re- I guess it's Regan. Yeah, I'm going to say Regan. R-E-G-A-N-S-T-A-R-R. So two R's. And this is a person that looks to be about the age of 15. Um, I think I read that he works at... Um, what's the, my brain has just left the building today. (laughs) It's the thing where it's, it's not, if this, then that it's the other one, Zapier, Zapier, Zapier. I'm not familiar with it. Oh, really? Oh, Zapier is cool. And it's, it's basically if this, then that, but it's a little more for business. Like I use it because I can tie, if somebody, um, makes through acuity scheduling, they schedule a uh, consulting with me. It automatically bills them, but also creates a invoice in my fresh books and market marks it paid. 
So the whole build, oh, wow. yeah, it's really sweet. Now for me, it's, it's one of those where it's free and it's Z A P I E R. I think just.com. It, the fun part is how do you pronounce it? I call it Zapier. I think it's some sort of French Zapier. Who knows? I'm surprised there's an E in there. I mean, they are illegal. And, um, but I think I read where he works there. He works at some sort of place like that. I'll put the, a link in the, um, and I actually just started paying Zap because if you do enough zaps or whatever they call them, uh, recipes, something like that, you have to pay. So I had, to, I think it's 20 bucks a month now, but the headaches that it eliminates are well worth the uh, 20 bucks. But if you go to um, reganstar.com, you will see he has a bunch of things in the bottom right hand corner. There are apps that you can look at. Like one of them is, um, I use it all the time. If somebody doesn't know their RSS feed, I'll say, are you in iTunes? And there's a thing where you can get the RSS feed for, for iTunes. Um, you can get the top podcast by genre. So if you want to see if you're in the top, you can do that. But there's also one called the podcast rank report. And if you put that in there, you can basically have it email you every day what your rank is. And I always, again, kind of go with, all right, Stephen, uh, last week you were number 36 and you get the email this week and you're 39. What's, what's your thoughts on that? I'm just going to sell all my equipment and walk away. Right. You know, (laughs) I, I, the whole overanalyzing stats is, is really a passionate subject of mine. It's something that I always talk to hobbyist podcasters about it. And they're, as soon as they ask about stats, I, I always ask them, what is your reason behind that? Like, why do you want to know? Because if you're sitting there and you're just curious, am, am I moving the right direction? Well, then, okay, yeah, that that's a very valid reason to look at it. But when you're sitting there, you know, under the microscope, splitting numbers, then you're really just making more stress for yourself. You should be doing it because you're having fun doing that. And I always gauge based off of the interaction that we get, you know, whether it is interaction emails afterwards, whether it is interactions during our live recordings when we do them, whether it is people just commenting on our, our iTunes page or whatever it is, Apple Podcast Connect. Uh, those, are, those are what I look for. And the more interactions I get, to me, that's better because I'm not monetizing. I'm sitting there and I'm trying to make a product that is enjoyable for people. So if I have more people interacting with me, that shows that I am landing more. And so that that's where I look at and I'm not... 36 versus 39. I'm not going to sit there and kick myself or anything. <laughs> yeah. I, it reminds me um, when I was doing uh, classes uh, for a company, every day I would walk in and, you know, today you're teaching Excel three, tomorrow you're teaching access. And the day after that, you're teaching word and PowerPoint or whatever. And at the end of every class, I would have them fill out a, a survey. They would go online and blah, blah, blah. And I worked with a guy that literally would just start sweating. He, he was just freaking out. He's like, oh, I, you know, what if I get, you know, a couple sevens? Because it was one through 10. And I said, well, would you change anything about the way you did the class? And he's like, well, no, I, I you know, I did the best I could. I go, exactly. I go, yeah. so, you know, why it's, you know, unless you were screaming at people and throwing erasers or something, I'm like, pretty much, you know, you can't please. And I even had somebody once, I laughed because, uh, she gave me straight tens on everything, but I think the instructor, and she said, I can't give you a 10 because there's always room for improvement. And I was just like, that was just an example of, you know what? You can't please everybody, yeah. you know, or my favorite, you'd have the person that gave you straight ones and then say, this is the best class I ever have. I'm going to take tons of more classes. And I'm like, apparently you missed the part at the top where it's like 10 is good and one is bad. Thank you. Uh, now I'm going to get called into the office because, you know, I got straight ones on a uh, report, but I'm with you. It's, yeah. there are things, um, I, I had somebody this week contact me and they were, again, I think the word here is over analyzing and there's mm-hmm. a feature in the iTunes desktop. So step one, 70 to 80% of people are now listening on an app, not, not on their computer. And there's a thing called the popularity. If you go into Mm -hmm. iTunes desktop, there's this little popularity thing. And I know in an episode of the feed, uh, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes uh, later, but it's something to do with, it shows the popularity ranking is based on how many people are listening in the iTunes desktop. It has nothing to do with how many downloads you have or reviews. It's just 
the number of plays in the actual iTunes desktop, which granted it's Apple, it's thousands, probably hundreds, depending on what your show is about. Um, but they were kind of like, it, it doesn't seem to be updating. And it was like, I think it's within even a 24 hour period or something like that. And I was just like, how about looking at your downloads? That's really the one that, you know, we can kind of. Yeah. And I find that the feedback is, is so much more important when you're trying to improve yourself, because that's what better podcasting is about. We're trying to help hobby podcasters make their show better. And if you, if I get a number and I go, okay, my number is 70% popularity. Okay. What that doesn't tell me, how do I get that extra 30%? I need information. What, what do I do to make myself more popular? So one email saying I preferred this order over that order helps me think, okay, well maybe I need to rearrange my podcast a bit. So I absolutely, I don't overanalyze stats myself. I really like the engagement uh, I've gotten quite a bit of information recently on the YouTube videos we've been doing of people just saying, I really liked it when you did your review or your shootout this way. Well, that's that's very valuable for me because now I'm going to start doing my shootout that way. Doing more of that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of better podcasting, do you have anything coming up on uh, the next episode as we start to uh, head out the door yeah. here? This Sunday, we're going to drop the first of two parts about podcast discussion. So whether you're asking for podcast advice or you're giving podcast advice, it's all about discussions centering around the wonderful podcast community. We're a very supportive community, us podcasters. And to be honest, sometimes we suck a little bit at asking and answering questions. So we're going to help <laughs> help make people ask and answer questions a little bit better. Awesome. And on the uh, School of Podcasting this week... I'm, I'm asking the question, have you really done everything you could to promote your podcast? Uh, I heard a, a great Tony Robbins story. So I'll be quoting the, the infamous or the famous or the, the large melon-headed person of Tony Robbins on uh, the next episode of the School of Podcasting. And I uh, want to say thanks to the chat room, as always, for coming out. We're here every Saturday at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. And uh, remember, next weekend... No show, so you'll have to, I don't know, sleep in. That, that's, that's what I would do. I would sleep in, maybe, uh, you know, walk outside. I don't know what that's about, Dave. I'm <laughs> in Pacific time right now. It's 8.30 my time right now. Uh, ick. And, uh, but we will be back on the 28th. Uh, Jim will be back on the 28th, as will Troy Heinrichs will be joining us that day. I think Jim is in at that point. But uh, thanks to everybody for coming, and uh, we'll see you again real soon with another episode of Ask the Podcast Coach. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.